let's just let's just take another moment just to worship. Ash and I were listening to a, an old hymn in the car on the way in this morning. It's when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but lost. Is that how it goes? Yeah. And poor contempt on all my pride. And then the, second, the third verse is, Were the whole realm of nature mine, it would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. And we just want to be a people that's totally in love with Jesus. So I want to invite you just to turn your affection to him. Just to tell him how much he means to you. Just to worship him, to thank him for his love and his goodness. Don't let me do it. Come on, you guys can do that. Let's lift your voices. You can do it internally or externally, but I want you just to engage with the magnificence of who Jesus is. It's truly wonderful and truly glorious and so worthy of our praise. I thank you, Jesus, that you came to us. You came to us to, risk, to enable us to come into the glory of heaven. I thank you that you came to make us sons and daughters. I thank you that you came to give us an inheritance. I thank you that you came to take us out of being orphans and make us family. I thank you that you came to set us free from all of the things that have been holding us back. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Jesus, you're so humble. We're so good. We thank you that you humbled yourself. That in the Father's heart was to rescue us. And in your heart, Jesus, you were willing to come. You said, here I am, send me. And you came and you humbled yourself. You became like us, even though you were living in eternity, in the unbounded space and glory and creativity of who you are. You enabled yourself and you allowed yourself to be come right down into this small existence that is our existence. And you lived as us. You experienced our pain and you went to the the cross for us and that you died and you took all of our sin and all of our shame and you took it upon yourself and you made us your own and we worship you Jesus we love you we honor you come on how good is he how good is he love so amazing love so divine whoa Hebrews chapter 12 says it was for the joy that was set before him, the joy being you and I, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. The Old Testament, Jesus, the Father said, if you're hung on a tree, you're cursed. Jesus came to be hung on the tree and to be cursed for us so that we would no longer be under a curse. That everything that was wrong with the world would be, would be uh, righted on the cross. That he made peace by the blood of his cross. You know, the, the, the Westminster Catechism, it says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I'm, I know that's true. But what about the other dimension? That the chief end of man is to be enjoyed by God. That your purpose in life, your purpose in eternity is to be enjoyed by God. 
Like when you eat a good meal and you, and you sniff it and you go, oh, it smells so good. I can just see the Father sniffing over your life and going, oh, I get to be with you for all of eternity. Wow. It's good. It's good that his delight is us. You are his delight. You are his inheritance. And you are his reward. C.S. Lewis, a great uh, thinker and theologian of this, in the 20th century, he said this. He said that God loved into existence wholly superfluous creatures. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. You know that you and I are wholly superfluous to God. Basically, that means he doesn't need you or I. He didn't create us because there was a lack. He created us because his love as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was so wonderful that he wanted to share that with somebody, and so he created us. And your destiny and your calling is not just to enjoy God, although you will enjoy God forever. But it's also to be enjoyed by God forever. Why else other would he say in Revelation that the dwelling place of God is now with man if it wasn't also to say that I want to be with you because I want to be right where you are and I want to enjoy you? Because it would be very easy for him to stay off in heaven and from afar us go worthy, worthy, worthy and for us to enjoy him at a distance, but he comes close. So good, isn't it? And I just, I, I, my passion and my desire for myself and for us as a church is that we fall deeply and madly and passionately in love with Jesus. Because he's worth it, because he's glorious, because he's wonderful, because he's beautiful, and because he's majestic and everything that he does, everything that he does and everything that he is, is beautiful and glorious. Amen? Well, there's four of you that believe that, so that's good. Last week I preached a message on, um, you know, how God has called us to live in the, in the realm of the Spirit, to live not by what our eyes see, but by what we experience and understand by revelation. Revelation coming from the soles of our feet up, right? Or, so not in our heads, but from, from our spirits. And, um, and uh, you know, and I was talking about how it's so easy for us to judge with what we see with our eyes, and to, you know, just to see things in a natural perspective. And, um, you know, Monday morning I was in big trouble. Because I'm driving to work and I'm looking at the guy in the car next to me and going, That's a, why would you buy that car? And I'm looking at that lady who's make, doing her makeup in her, in her car and I'm like, what's she doing? Why is she doing that? That's so weird. Right? And I'm looking at the guy who cuts me off and goes, gosh, that's North Carolina driver. He just can't drive. And I suddenly realize, I'm like, I'm driving in on my way to work and, and the Lord's like, uh, judging much? Uh, uh, yes, yeah. so I realize that I've actually got a little more judgment. Don't you love a message like that where you, you share a message and then the Holy Spirit says, yeah, well, that's for you first and foremost, buddy. Sort your life out here. So this week I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, what, what that said to me was, well, when we have that kind of thing, when we fall short like that, when we get aware of what's going on with us, we've got two choices. The first choice is we've got to try harder. 
I'm going to try not to be judgmental. I'm going to try really, really hard to be judgmental. It's just that the person next to me is making it so easy to be judgmental. Because look at the way they're driving. No, 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 I'm trying not to be judgmental. Or we can take a moment and we can say, oh, Jesus, I need you and I'm stepping back into my identity in you. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk from, I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or your iPads or your Apples or Androids or whatever, to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And I want to just, I, 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 part of my passion and desire is that we would fall more deeply in, in love with Christ and, and that we would actually step up and step and continue to live and to grow into all that Christ has made us to be, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at uh, verse 26 for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Sorry, everybody. That's just true. Um, but God chose what is foolish, yes, in the world, yes, to shame the wise. God chose what is weak, yes, in the world, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You could look around you and say, hello, weakling. Hello, foolish one. Hello, nothing. Doesn't really sound, that's, that sounds a little, little unkind, doesn't it? But it's not that we're nothing. It's just that in the power and the, in, the, in the glory of who God is and in the magnificence of Jesus, we are like nothing. We are the foolishness. We are way below. Even our most highest wisdom is below the, 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 uh, the foolishness of God. But then he goes on to say, so no human being might boast in the presence of God because of him, who? God. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I love that passage. Do you know the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is our all in all. He's our everything. He's everything that we need. Everything that we need for our life is found in him. Now you should be smiling at this point. Because that's good news. And so the first thing I want to point out is that God has put us into Christ. It's not that we decided one day we woke up and we thought, hey, this, here's a good idea. I'm going to put myself into Christ today. No, God himself is the mission, as I said it in my prayer. God is the mission of God was to, to, to send his son, Jesus, that we could be, and, and in that process, it was to put us into Christ so that when Christ was on the cross, it was our death. When Christ was buried, it was our burial. When Christ was resurrected, it was our resurrection. When Christ was ascended, it was our ascension. When Christ was glorified, it was our glorification because God put us into Christ and whatever happened to Christ in the moment that he went, died and then was buried happened to us, right? That's the gospel. The gospel is that we're now in Christ Jesus. Well, who is Christ Jesus? Well, Christ means Messiah. and well, It's the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one. The, the king who has been smeared with the oil of heaven, the Holy Spirit. 
the one who carries the life and the energy of heaven, who's covered in the oil. He's the one that we've been put into. You've been put into the oily one. The one filled, the oil of heaven, this is the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. Okay, it's, it's, his, it's his presence, his joy, his love, his peace. You've been put into that anointing in Christ, in your union with Christ. And then it's Christ, the other part of his name is Jesus or Yeshua, and it means salvation or savior. You've been put, we have been put, you and I, our lives are now hidden in the anointed savior. The one who has everything that you need. That's where your life is. That's your address. You live in this land which you access by faith called grace. And you're in Christ Jesus. And, and so, uh, you know, the gospel isn't a, just, isn't a gospel of morality. It's not just about doing the right thing. It's not just about having the good thoughts or, or, or actually behaving properly or, or somehow doing good, trying to put, achieve something on our own standard. You know that, that you can't do that. You can't, I can't on a Monday morning think really unjudgmental thoughts because I end up just being judgmental. I can't not think angry thoughts because I start to get angry about something. I can't start to think happy thoughts because something happens and I get miserable again. Right? There's something that, 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 you know, we're not preaching, we're not talking about your morality, we're talking about a union with Christ, the life of Christ on the inside. You know, morality just makes us miserable. Well, how? Well, because we're trying to achieve it. We're trying to achieve a standard or a perspective or trying to be somebody, and so it, one of two things happen. Either we achieve it, kind of, we certainly, we think we achieve it, but then when we achieve it, we look down our noses at everyone else. And so we're miserable to be around because we have a holier than thou, better attitude than you, right? Or, for, which is some people, but for most of the rest of us, it's that we actually fail to achieve the standard that we feel like we should, and therefore we feel miserable. And so a, a moral person, while they might look like they've got it all together, actually without the life of Christ, it's impossible to live in a place of joy and true life and love. It, with morality, we're not called to do that. God has put us into Christ. It's his action. It's the love of God for us. We are his delight. You know, the, the love that the Father has for Jesus is the very same love that the Father has for you because you're in Christ. And the love that Jesus has for the Father, which is this very same love that the, Lord, that the Lord has released into your life, so that the love that you have to love the Father back is the love that the Father has, that Jesus has to give to the Father. Our ability to receive the love of God is the, is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father and the Son on the inside of us receiving the love of God. You know, you can't even receive the love of God on your own. You have to have the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, he's, he enables you to experience the life and the love of God on the inside. And so Jesus, we're now in Christ Jesus. And God has made Jesus four things for us. He's made for us, he's made, God has made Jesus to be wisdom for us. Wisdom from God. You need wisdom in your life. The answer is the Sunday school Jesus. No, not the Sunday school Jesus. The one who lives in heaven, who's full of glory and power. 
But he, uh, Colossians chapter 2, it says that in Christ are hidden the sum of all wisdom and treasures. You know, we're not to live by what we know. We're lit to live by rev- the revelation. And that revelation has to line up with who we are in Christ. It has to line up with who, who Christ is because that is, the, he is the wisdom of God. And so God's given us his wisdom. He's also given us, Christ has become for us righteousness. Now righteousness recalls the law court, speaks of vindication and acquittal. And so what God has done for us in Christ is he's acquitted us of our sin and he's made us right with him. He's given us right standing, right? It's a call first and foremost, righteousness is first and foremost a call to right relationship. We're now in good standing. The Father, and there's no barrier, there's no separation, there's no cutoff between us and the Father. You know, the primary issue of sin is not just a judicial, we've broken a law. The primary issue of sin is we've been separated from the Father. We've been cut off from the relationship. Now, Jesus is the first thing that God has made Jesus to be, other than the wisdom and the righteousness, is actually now a right relationship, a right connection and a right understanding back to who we are and the relationship that we have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been called to an eternal relationship. But it's not just about having right relationship, but it's from that place of right relationship flowing into right living. Because, you know, if, if I, my, the measure that I have of, of the love that I have for Ash, if, if I love Ash, I'm actually going to, to do things that bless her, benefit her, help her. And if she asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because that's love. It's not that I have to, it's I get to. And righteousness isn't that we have to, it's that we get to because we've now been established in this right relationship with Jesus and with the Father that we have this opportunity to live right, to be obedient, to to say yes to the Holy Spirit, which actually means that we live a life of purity, that we deal with the issues of our heart, that the Holy Spirit allows us, that he births, births the life of heaven in us, that we're called to a right standard of living, which the Bible articulates. And, the, and we'll look at it in a minute. But the primary standard that Jesus says is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're called to righteousness, to that purity. But righteousness isn't just about purity. It's also about hitting our purpose our destiny, our calling, fulfilling the good works that God has prepared for us in our union with Christ. So it's not just about doing good, it's actually about being fit for purpose and the Holy Spirit enabling your life to hit the bullseye of his purpose and his plan for you. That's also good news. We're not running around in the dark thinking, ah, are we going to make it, are we going to make it, are we going to make it? No, the righteousness of Christ is what enables us to achieve all that God's called us to. The second part, uh, the, the, sorry, the third thing that he says is that Jesus has become for us sanctification. That's a long word, but basically, and that brings to mind the temple. Is set, basically, what it means is to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be holy, to be pure. And there's an emphasis in the Bible on that being a process. Not an instant thing, but something that we're walking in ever-increasing measure of of the reality of what's happened on the inside of us now working out into our actions, thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs. And so it's a consecration. You know that your life now in Christ has been consecrated. There's nothing in your life with the exception of sin that is secular. Everything else is consecrated and holy and pure for the Holy Spirit because you're in Christ. And so that holiness is, is, is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the moment where I'm driving on and I feel like I'm wanting to judge the person next to me or I'm getting angry or I'm, I'm having a lustful thought or whatever it might be where I have the holiness and the life of God on the inside of me that says, hey, Murray, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, sorry, Lord, and I step back in and the Holy Spirit energizes me to do the right thing. It's the energy of heaven to do what's right. And then the third, the fourth one is redemption. And that talks, that's really an, an image from the slave market. And, and in, in, in the Greek, that word means to loose, to let go. And um, in the Hebrew, there's actually three words for redemption. The first one was, is the concept is a legal price paid for freeing a ransom. So Jesus has paid a price to set you free. In, in the ancient Israel, Israelite culture, the law said, God's law said, the firstborn of the ancient Israelites, the son, belonged to the Lord, and the, the firstborn of the animals belonged to the Lord. But there was a process of redemption where that son was able to be bought back from the Lord, if you like, by the payment of a price, which was a, the, the sacrifice of an animal. And so that, that son was brought back into the relationship and into the family. The second part of that, the second word for redemption is a family. And there was, uh, in the Hebrew context, there was, um, you know, if you sold some land or if you sold yourself into slavery, the family could come and buy you back so that you weren't stuck, so that you wouldn't lose your inheritance. So there was a process of, of if in, in a sense, buying back so that you could come back into your full inheritance. And then the third word was the covering, a covering for sin. So Jesus, what he's done is he's paid the price for us. He has brought us back into his family and he's covered us in, with, uh, uh, covered our sin so that we are now redeemed and no longer under, the, under slavery. And so what's he, what's, he, what's he brought us back from? Well, he's brought us back from sin and the flesh. He's brought us back from, from uh, being under the power of the law. He's brought us back from being under the power of the enemy. He's brought us back from being under the power of sickness. The salvation is way more than just going to heaven. It is, of, as we know, just the whole thing of life, of healing, of freedom, uh, uh, you know, um, feeling, f healing of mind, body, soul, and spirit. Now, there's no suggestion in the Old Testament or the New Testament that who God paid a price to. So don't come up with some weird theology that God that says that somehow he had to pay a price back to the devil. I just don't think that's true because God's way bigger than the devil. Right? But there's something out of his power and, and by his own power, he's brought us back. You are now, if you are in Christ, holy and righteous and spotless and pure and you have the energy and the joy and the life of heaven to actually make you that way on the outside. That's right. It's good news, isn't it? Come on. You can smile. That is good news. Actually, what that means is that your life and your, your ability to do the right thing is not based on your ability. It's actually based on the finished work of Jesus and his perfect life. It's too good to be true, really, but it is true. You know, in Ephesians 2, it says, you know, it talks about the grace of God. And I can just imagine that, you know, all, for all of eternity, the angels and the, you know, they're going to be looking around at us humans and they're going to be scrolling through if there are archives, they're going to be looking at it. Maybe they're right now looking at up in heaven and going, hang about, just, 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 run that past me again. You did that with those guys? 
You achieved this with those bunch of Muppets. You did this with them. Your grace is unbelievable and glorious and wonderful. Jesus, you are so magnificent and beautiful. What? How could you do that with them? They are, oh my word, oh. And you find pleasure. You made them and they, they stuffed it up and you brought them back and you find pleasure. Oh, Jesus, you're amazing. And so we've been set free. You've been set free from the law. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free. You're no longer slaves. I am no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to my emotions. I'm no longer a slave to my habits. I'm no longer a slave to the opinions of others unless I choose to be. But how do I choose not to be? Well, I step back into Christ and I allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the issues of the heart and to put his finger on, okay, there's that. You know, 1 John 4, 19, I think it is, 18 or 19, it says that perfect love casts out fear. Every place that I'm living in fear, my, the invitation is to step back into Christ and say, Lord, there's clearly something I don't know yet about your love. Please pour your love into me so that I can step out of this fear and step into the reality of who you've made me to be. We're not slaves to our emotions. You know, you can send your emotions away. You can send fear away. I was on a plane yesterday. Um, I was, I, we were in Baltimore um, doing a, a, a school in, in, in Baltimore. And, and you know, we were, I'm flying southwest. And, I, you know, I'm sitting next to the wing. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, please help. You know, I know that, you know, this things happen. But, you know, we hit some turbulence. And I'm like, ah, oh, and I start to feel fear. I'm like, I don't need that fear. I send that fear away. Fear, go away. I felt in peace instantly. Why? Because I have the joy and the power of heaven on the inside. It's not Murray coming up with a good idea to say, I'm not going to be fearful today. No, I send the fear away. I welcome the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have to be afraid anymore. Right? We're called to be free. We're actually called to be completely free. What would your life look like if you had no fear? What would your life look like if you had no offense? What would your life look like if you had no worry or anxiety, if you had no pride and you had no desire to control? I tell you what it would look like. Jesus. But, it's so, but that's the freedom that the Holy Spirit has brought us into in Christ. And our journey and our life is a journey of ever-increasing manifestation of the reality of that, right? And we're made to be free. But I want us just to turn to Galatians because I want to just finish on, on Galatians chapter 5. Because while we're called to be free and we are... You know, one of the things that I love about that, the, the message of, of the gospel is that actually because it's all based on what Christ has done, we don't have to do anything to achieve God's favor. Right? We're now in right relationship with him. We can't earn our salvation. He's already earned it for us. But that, that, but that does not mean that we therefore step back and say, well, because I'm free and I'm saved, I can do whatever I want without any consequences whatsoever. That's not the truth of the gospel. And so Paul, in, in Galatians 5 verse 13, he says this, For you are all called to freedom. Just speak over yourself. I am called to freedom. Let's say that all together. I am called to freedom. 
But only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He's saying, look, you've come out of the flesh. You've become free. You're no longer under the slavery. Why on earth would you go back to it like a pig returning to the pen or a dog returning to the vomit? Just, you know, walk away. Step in. Press into the Holy Spirit. Don't keep sowing into the flesh. If you keep sowing into the flesh, you're actually misunderstanding your freedom. You're actually misunderstanding the nature of the gospel, which is because Christ has loved you, now you go and manifest that love everywhere else. And so he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I thought to myself when I read that verse this week, Flip, did Paul know about Facebook? Did he know about social media? Well, we have particularly uh, the thing that gets, you know, me so sad is when I see Christians biting and devouring each other social media when we're called to love sure we want to say something because we need to prove that we're more spiritual than the other person that we've got the good theology but God's saying no 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 the whole law is fulfilled in one word one phrase you shall love your neighbor as yourself you know the thing that matters now as we are receiving from the holy spirit the thing that matters the most is how do we love how are we loving the holy spirit and the father son and holy spirit and how are we loving our neighbors and so paul goes on to say look don't bite and devour each other you've been created and you've been called for love you've been filled with love you've become free from all of those effects now walk in it and so he says but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh Walk by the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. Tune into the Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something, go with what the Holy Spirit is saying. If he says, hey Murray, don't look at that particular website, stop and walk away. Or if I do do something like judging someone or, or, or you know, looking at something that I shouldn't do or having a second glance at a, a, a nice looking lady or lustfully or whatever, that I actually then go back to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, get to the root of this issue because I don't want to live that way because I haven't been called to live that way. I've been called to live in your freedom. So walk in by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. If you do that, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against or contrary to the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The law, your sinful nature under the law, which is why morality is so, so terrible as an idea, the law puts a cover over you, your sinful flesh, on the inside of you always kicks against the law and the very thing that you know is the right thing to do, you can't do it because of the law and the sin on the inside of you. The only way you can live under that is, the flesh, is under the spirit. Now then Paul goes on to say in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. You know, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I, I actually feel like where our society and our culture is going, that we're becoming less and less evident of what the works of the flesh are. And as, as Christians, we're defining that more and more narrowly as some of the issues that we want to address. And those, some of those, you know, so we, there's this, well, let me just keep reading. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality or adultery, impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now we look at that sort of, that sort of passage and we take it and we, well, first the thing I need to tell you is Paul's not writing to the world, he's writing to us as believers, right? This is, and it's only a list, I don't think it's comprehensive, it's not the be all and end all of it because I don't see uh, things like pride in there. But there's, so there's a list, but Paul, what Paul's saying is don't live this way. And we tend to look at it and we'll say, okay, we'll look at the very obvious things. Right, well, hopefully there's no one in here having orgies. Because if you do, we need to talk. You know, and then we look at those and we're, we're drunkenness. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's not good. Although sometimes we can have a bit of a lax attitude towards that, right? And we can say, okay, sexual immorality, well, we know adultery and, and, and you know, and we can, and we can say, well, yeah, we, you know, that we know that homosexuality is a sin and we know these various things. So there's a, those are easy and so we can, we can sort of push against those, or pornography or other things. But what about things like idolatry? What about enmity? What about sensuality? What about strife? Again, I think you must be talking about social media. What about dissensions? What about rivalries? What about, you know, I, I'm in this camp and I'm in this camp and because you're not in this camp, uh, you're an idiot. And because you don't think like me, I'm going to reject you. Because you don't have the same skin color as me, that means that you must be different and I don't like you. There's, there's, there's rivalries, there's, there's politics, there's religion, there's race. There's all manner of things that we can get ourselves bent on because they become our identity. And our identity is not our sin. Our identity is not our sexuality. Our identity is not our gender. Our, our, our identity is not the struggles that we have with lust. Our identity is not our race. Our identity as believers is not our socioeconomic standard. Our identity with, uh, as believers is not based on how many likes we have on Facebook. Our identity is not based on the politics, that whether we're red or blue. Right? That's not our identity. Your identity is Christ. And Christ says, love. Christ doesn't say, get on Facebook and tell the person that has a different opinion about the, from you that they're an idiot because they have a different opinion and they're in trouble. Now, I'm not saying that there's no place for, for, for uh, helping people see their sin, but that has to come from a place of relationship. That has to come from a place of coming alongside and saying, hey, there's a better way. Because love says, I want the best for you. Love says, you've achieved this, but there's so much more. Love says, you've got your identity based on this, but I'll actually, you're in Christ. There's so much more for you. What I find very sad is when we as Christians, we don't look like we're different from the world. Either in our attitudes to uh, whatever sin it might be, alcohol, lobbing stones at different groups, racism, whatever it might be, we're called to love. Paul's saying you're free, but don't use your freedom for that. Don't use that. You've got the spirit on the inside of you. Don't live for that. There's something so much better. 
There's something so much more glorious and beautiful. Don't find your identity in your sexuality. There's so much more than that. And so he goes on to say, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to just say very briefly, quickly, I know that there are some people in our community that are struggling with addiction. Pornography, alcohol, other things, drugs, whatever it might be. And I want you to know that we're not standing here throwing stones at you. Are we actually standing with you in prayer, believing that God's going to bring you the breakthrough? Our prayer, we are standing with you. We're believing God that he's going to do what he said he would do and bring you into the righteousness and the freedom and the fullness of who God's called you to be. We're not, we're not here to say, well, listen, we've been warning you. I mean, we want to hear the warning, but I'm not standing here telling you, sort your life out. I'm saying get into Christ. And if you're, if you're struggling with something, Come, you know, that's why we run things like our Thrive training, why we do restarting and we do um, restoring the foundations and we do deliverance and we do other things because we know that there are things that hold us back, but they're holding us back from the life of who God's made us to be and we want you to walk in fullness. We want you to walk. I want to walk in fullness. Everything that the Father has. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Walk by the Spirit. If we're walking by the Spirit, and you are very happy to be the angry person. The Holy Spirit has more for you. If we're walking by the Spirit and you're in Christ Jesus and you're very happy to be the person that just goes around telling everybody that they've got something wrong with them, the Holy Spirit has more for you. You've been called to love. You've been called to Christ. You've been called to his fullness. We have My prayer is that we are a people that are so full of love that while we're free, we don't use our freedom to do whatever we like. And we don't use our freedom to lead other people into sin. You know, if you have somebody, if we have someone in our community that has a problem drinking alcohol, The love of Christ would say that when you're with them, just don't exercise your freedom to drink alcohol. Because you're loving them, right? The thing is, we don't need to walk in shame or sin or difficulty because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are in Christ Jesus. And we have the life and the energy of heaven all around us. I want to invite you to stand. You know, if you, uh, if, let's just take a moment. I want you to put your hand on your heart if you want to. Invite, I'll invite you to turn your face up into heaven.
to turn your gaze up and I want you to see the Father smiling over you. The Father is smiling over you. He's not conscious of your shortcomings and your failings. He's not, shortcom- he's not going to list that he's checking twice to see if you've been naughty or nice. He sees you in Christ Jesus. And so take a moment and just receive his smile, his desire, and his affection is for you. You are his happy thought. Receive it. Let that just wash over you. Let that wash over you. You are in Christ. Your daddy's favorite. Your identity is not based on what you do. Your identity is based on you are daddy's favorite because you are in Christ Jesus. He not only loves you, but he actually likes you as well. And just receive that. Just to drink that in. Drink in the love of the Father. Drink in his goodness. Drink in his kindness. You're in Christ, not because of what you've done, but because of his great love. Because of the richness of his mercy. But for some of us, while we're in Christ, we've been struggling to get some breakthrough. The first thing I want to do is to release hope. The hope of heaven. Heaven sees you. Heaven knows your name. Jesus has won the victory for you. Heaven is working for you to achieve the victory. For, you, for that victory to be manifested in your life. And so if you're struggling, I want you to know we're standing with you, we're believing, and we want, we're just release, we were releasing the Holy Spirit to you for you to overcome. And for some of you, it may be that you, there's some issues of the heart and the wounds of the soul that you actually need to go and have somebody step you through and walk you through some healing to bring about some breakthrough and freedom. We've got people to help you with that. Don't hold on to things. Don't hold on to false identity. If you've been struggling as an, as, with an identity of being sexually immoral or someone who's struggling with pornography or as someone who has same-sex attractions, you've been struggling with that as an identity. It's time to step out of that identity and to step into Christ. If you've been struggling as someone who's alone, who finds it hard to make friends, who, who just feels like they're on their own or, or to, just off to the side or rejected or abandoned, if you feel like there's something fatally wrong with you, that you are uniquely and fatally flawed, it's time to let go of that identity and to step into the truth of who you are. Uh, we would love to pray with you. If you need more ministry, we would love to connect you with some of our heart ministers here that just will help you go deeper with the Father. He's too good to hold on to those things. And I'm conscious maybe for some of you that are here, maybe you haven't, even, you haven't accepted Jesus into your life. And I want to give you an opportunity to come to him today and say, actually, I realize my morality, my good living isn't really going to get me where I want to go. Isn't really going to satisfy me. Isn't really going to fill me with joy. 
If that's you, I want to just invite you to pray a prayer with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. The truth is I've been running under my own effort. I've been trying to be good on my own. I found my identity in things that are outside of you. And I ask that you would forgive me, Lord. I repent. I change my thinking. And thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you that I belong to you. I welcome you to be Lord of my life. I welcome you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you fill me with the life and the joy and the energy of heaven? Thank you for your kindness. And if you prayed that prayer, well, I would love to chat with you after. We would love to pray with you. Tell someone about it. Find a church that preaches the gospel, that loves Jesus. Get into uh, knowing Him in a greater measure, in a greater way. But I just want to bless you. I bless you to walk in Christ Jesus. I bless you to keep in step with the Spirit. I bless you to live in the joy and the righteousness and the peace of heaven.